Welcome to another episode of the OASBO podcast. I'm communication specialist Callie Wells, and today with me I have Barbara Shainer, our advocacy specialist. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things going on at the State House. It's been a busy month. Um, Barbara, can you give us a quick status update on the budget bill, and it, which is amended substitute House Bill 166, and why is the title so long? Well, Callie, yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people don't uh, know the significance of the title. So I thought it would be a good idea maybe to answer your question. We can go through a little bit of the process of how it works and kind of answer your question about the status as in the meantime. So um, when the budget first gets introduced, it is introduced as a House bill. And the sponsor of the bill is typically the House Finance Committee chairman. But the odd thing about uh, the budget bill is that the sponsor isn't the author of what goes into the budget bill. Uh, The budget bill is introduced in the House is the proposal that the governor gives the legislature for what he wants to see in the state biennial budget. And so the as introduced version is just House Bill 166 this time around. Then as the House proceeds through its process and makes changes to it, the first thing that they do after hearing several weeks of of testimony is to introduce what is known as a substitute version of the bill. And so then it becomes substitute House Bill 166. Then uh, people come in and, and give testimony on the substitute version because a lot of times the substitute version is a lot different than what the governor had originally proposed. And this time around there were changes and some things added. Uh, not as much of a difference, I guess, in the substitute version than what the governor introduced. But then it is uh, traditional for about a week later Uh, The House will then add what we call an omnibus uh, amendment, which is just really a compilation of a whole lot of amendments that uh, that the House or the, the legislature wants to add in. And so then they amend the omnibus amendment into the substitute bill, and so it becomes amended substitute House Bill 166. It's as simple as that. So that bill then has gone over to the Senate, They've been holding hearings uh, for a, for quite a while. They actually started having hearings in the finance committee and even in some of the subcommittees the week that we had our annual conference. And so they've been having hearings for quite a while, even though they didn't really get the bill uh, until sometime the first part of May. They were listening to testimony from the governor's office, um, the different agencies that had proposed budgets for for their agencies and so that testimony was taking place even while the house was still working on their version so once the house adopted their version and sent it over now the senate has continued to have hearings um, we actually uh, oasbo osba and uh, basa actually testified yesterday on just the provisions in the bill that are related to taxes they set aside a day to just have testimony on tax issues in the budget bill. It was quite a long day, um, but in any case, these t- these hearings are going to go on through next week, and then we will see this process of uh, introducing a substitute bill happen all over again in the Senate, and so it will go back to being just a plain old substitute bill at that point in time.
Well, I'm glad we have you to keep track of all of that. <laughs> and, um, so if uh, members want to learn more about the budget bill um, um, and the details of what's going on in that right now, they should make sure to um, read what's in the advocacy e-news that'll come out um, for May. Um, you may be listening to this podcast having seen it in the e-news, but if not, make sure you check your email. And also be sure that you're logging into the new um, OASBO online community, which we've named Collaborate. You can log into this with your OASBO website credentials. Um, and Barbara's been giving kind of um, live updates um, more and she's able to do them more on the fly in the community and you can ask questions and give input right there in the community so you'll go to collaborate.oasbo-ohio.org and get involved in the conversation about the budget bill um, barbara is there any other ways for people to learn more about what's going on with the budget bill well i would like to say a little bit more about the collaborate tool because i've enjoyed being able to put some more timely things in there than waiting for our scheduled publications and besides that like you mentioned people can respond or ask questions and i'd really rather have that kind of conversation uh, than just me telling folks what is available um, in fact we've utilized some of the feedback that we got uh, through the collaborate last week in some of our negotiations and discussions with legislators uh, specifically related to how monies could be spent uh, uh, if, if the student wellness and success funds proposal lasts through the whole entire budget there's a list of things that the they can be spent on and we had some good feedback from members about that and we were able to pass that along to uh, members of the Senate when we were meeting with them in this past week uh, but otherwise there is a more comprehensive um, description of all of the education provisions in the budget bill that can be found on a webinar that I participated in on um, Monday I believe that was May 20th and so um, we'll provide a link I think in the news in the uh, advocacy e-news if you want to switch back to that and look at it uh, you can watch that recording obviously it's just a audio recording other than there is a PowerPoint uh, so you can see all of the different details and you'll hear the lobbyists all from the three organizations OASBO, OSBA and BASA explaining the various parts of the um, of the budget bill as it stands coming out of the house now of course that could change a lot when we get the senate version but we don't expect that for another couple weeks uh, but the webinar is a good way to just pick up on all the different details and um, we ask, also were able to answer some questions that members had great um, and while you can get those details in the webinars and in our e-news, it might be interesting to hear about some of the more obscure provisions in the budget bill. Uh, what's this about students with F1 visas um, and eligibility for athletics? Well, um, yes, there are some little discussed items in the budget bill. When you look at, uh, particularly after the House did come out with their final version, we saw a lot more uh, policy uh, provisions, including education public policy, come up in the budget bill. When the governor had introduced his version, there wasn't a lot uh, to talk about in terms of uh, changes in policy. But then the House did add a lot of different things. And so one of them is that uh, students with an F-1 visa would 
be um, the Ohio High, High School Athletic Association would be forced to allow them to participate in athletics. And uh, for those that don't know, an F-1 visa student is someone that can come here for four years, not come with their parents, but just come and be in the United States. And I think the c reason that currently F-1 visa students aren't eligible now is the concern over recruiting. So that's just one example. It's not probably not something that our members are going to get too worked up about, but they might be interested and certainly their boards are probably interested. Um, there's another thing though that I think our members would be interested in and it's unclear uh, whether it is going to actually help the situation, but people may be aware that there is a big question mark still that we haven't had final answers from the Department of Education about, and that is um, whether or not under the new federal procurement standards, whether school districts are going to have to um, start putting out bids for the services that are typically uh, provided by an ESC. So rather than just automatically contracting with the ESC, do districts really need to put out bids or do some type of competitive um, process for those services? And so the House, in an attempt, I think, to help clarify that, they did put something in there that Ohio does not require uh, in, so in the budget bill right now, it says that Ohio isn't going to require that services for ESCs are going to be required to be bid. Um, so since this is a federal uh, standard that we're trying to uh, get at, we don't know if that change in law is going to help, but it certainly was an attempt to try to clarify things. So we'll see whether that makes uh, a difference if it makes its way all the way through the budget bill. Or the budget process. Another one districts may have heard a little bit more about is if you have 70% of your kids um, that are eligible for free, free and reduced or free or reduced um, meals, then the district is going to be required to offer school breakfast. And the, um, the first year it's 70%, the second year it's if you have 60% of those kids, the third year is if you have 50% of kids that are eligible for the free and reduced price meals, you're going to have to start offering breakfast if you don't already. So there are a couple uh, things that we're trying to work on with that. The um, bill actually requires districts to offer that breakfast after or during the school day. And so we're telling legislators that we don't want that kind of a restriction. Districts might have the ability to have breakfast before the bell. And if they're doing that now, or if they think they can and, and kids will participate, then uh, we want that ability. The other thing, the bill sets up the expectation that 70% of the eligible students are going to actually eat the breakfast. And districts are gonna be required to ha come up with uh, an, a plan for making that happen if it doesn't already happen. So we're um, saying that we can't, you know, the, the mandate, if you're going to have a mandate, should only be to offer the breakfast and not to have a certain percentage of participation. So the last, uh, what I will call one of our obscure items is um, the law requires currently that districts that are going to, that have quit using a building for educational purposes, that after two years they have to offer it to community schools and there's another um, list of people after that or, or entities after that 
that they have to offer it to um, if they're not using it any longer. Well, House Bill, the amended version uh, and substitute version of House Bill 166 currently would require that to happen after one year rather than the current two-year period. And so we have asked senators to just remove that and go back to current law. You know, nobody likes the whole concept in the first place that they were forced to offer it to community schools and so on. But at least the two-year period gives districts the opportunity to figure out what they really want to do with that building. Okay. Um, any ideas what the Senate might include in its version of the budget bill? And what will they do with school findings? Well, um, I think that if uh, you can get a maybe better explanation about what's happening with uh, school finance in the e -news, advocacy e-news, but we really aren't sure what the Senate's going to do um, with, with the proposal that came out of the House. We've now have both the governor and the House proposing the same thing generally. The Senate made some modification, or excuse me, the House made some modifications, but the, they pretty much endorsed what the governor did. And we have not seen anything out of the Senate that would tell us that they have something in mind different than what the House has proposed. They have given some uh, lip service, I guess, when you talk to individual senators about the cost of what uh, the the house is doing not just for education but overall so we're not sure where they're going with that uh, i think in the e-news um, we do talk about the cup and patterson uh, recommendations that there will be testimony still this this week on that where the work group is coming in and oasbo will be testifying in support uh, so we don't know. It doesn't appear that the Senate is going to pick up on that. But I think the alternative is going to be that the House will likely introduce a um, standalone bill with the hope of either the Senate picking it up from there or actually having hearings and going forward uh, yet this year uh, to talk about that. But the Senate is actually talking about a, adding a lot more by way of policy changes. They're, they seem determined to have a solid recommendation on what they're going to do with graduation requirements for the long term. Uh, the last General Assembly made changes for the classes of 2019 and 2020, but they want to do something long term so that they're not in a position of having to make these adjustments uh, periodically. They're also talking about something with report cards that we haven't seen much uh, about the details of that, but we're, they're talking about making changes even yet in the budget bill. Uh, and they don't have a lot more time uh, to do this. Uh, the House had put something in there about uh, eliminating the Academic Distress Commission statutes and making some changes about how to deal with schools that uh, are not uh, performing. But we think the Senate may continue to keep something in with changes. Uh, so we don't know exactly what those are going to be. Uh, the House is that, or excuse me, the Senate Education Committee has actually announced that they're gonna hold a series of graduation requirements hearings even in the next two or three weeks with the idea that once they get to the end of the process, they would be able to have something solid to put in 
in their version of the budget bill. And again, like I said, the, on the funding side, um, there is still is a little bit of time uh, for them to get something sorted out with the cut patterns and recommendations, but we haven't had any indication up to now that the Senate is ready to do something with that. Um, I will tell you too that the Senate had made their first deadline for amendments from the members of the Senate uh, was this past, I believe, Wednesday, the 22nd. So a lot of amendments have already been submitted. We've asked for some, as I've already referred to, some a few of those. And when we talked to one, he's a freshman senator, he said he had submitted 60 amendments for the budget bill. So if that's one member, we can imagine how many they're going to be going through. So that's kind of where it is. Okay, well, um, that's going to wrap it up for today, but just a, a reminder for members to make sure you um, check out the Advocacy E-News for more details and that you log into the Collaborate site, um, the new online community for members.